The Geopolitics and Empire podcast is joined by Brad Skistimus, better known as Five Times August, the Dallas-based singer, songwriter, guitarist extraordinaire. He's been churning out incredible music over the past two years, detailing the what I will call the terrorism we have all been subject to by our own governments and their tyrannical medical policies with the tunes such as Sad Little Man, God Help Us All, and I Will Not Be Leaving Quietly. His work is also featured in dozens and dozens of TV shows, films, and commercials. How are you doing and how is life in the Lone Star State, Brad? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me today. Uh, life is good on it here in Texas. It's it's kind of normal, you know. It's as as normal as normal can get. It seems uh, uh, compared to other places in the world, but um, doing all right. Yeah, well, we're we're kind of that same situation here down in in Mexico. Sometimes I wonder about going back to the U.S. to to live in places like Texas. Although our governor here in the in Jalisco State in Mexico next next month is saying he's going to start activating the vaccine passports for some locations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can't, I I trust no one at this point. It's like, whatever you are telling me, like, we already went through all that, like, what things won't be, what they said it won't be, it is now. So just forget it. I I don't trust you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, I think you're the first musician I've had on geopolitics and empire. And I've tried to get uh, a few others on um, without success. And I'm going to continue to try to get people from all walks of life, not, not just, you know, academics that I usually talk to, but, you know, musicians who are talking about also what's, what's happening in the world. And, you know, I was listening to your interview on Viva Fry, and you've had a successful career in the before COVID era. Could you tell us briefly a bit about, about yourself and five times uh, August uh, before we delve into the after COVID era? Yeah, it's been really just a wild, interesting ride. I've been uh, doing Five Times August, music under the title Five Times August uh, since 2001. I started right out of high school and, and sort of started this one-man band project uh, based off my birthday, August 5th. My my last name is Skistimus, and I, I just thought, oh, I can't promote Brad Skistimus. People won't remember that as well as like a band name or something. So I came up with Five Times August, and uh, I was just sort of doing local coffee shop shows and until and releasing albums on my own, just recorded out of my bedroom back then. Um, and then at some point around 2004, a music supervisor with MTV had found some of my songs and started licensing them for TV shows on MTV. And that started that that really lifted me to a whole other uh, plateau of my music career. And I was all of a sudden I was touring colleges and, um, I, I had a fan base nationwide and, um, I really built on, on top of that exposure. And so that was sort of the first sort of, uh, segment of my career was college shows touring the country in a van. My wife was with me. She, she, we sort of started this kind of mom and pop operation where I was the talent and she was the management and she did all the booking and uh, collecting checks and, you know, contracts and all that stuff. And I just focused on creating music um, and did that for a good, almost a decade for the first half of my career. And then uh, took some time off to raise a family, um, did a few side projects, was still creating, writing music for TV and film. Um, and ultimately I ended up, uh, once I became a a dad. I I spent the last three years pre pre COVID. I was focused on a kids music project called the Juicebox Jukebox, where I was creating these videos and kids music that was it wasn't like your baby shark kind of music. It, it was music with substance that I felt was good for character building and and music that parents and teachers could enjoy just as much as the kids. I wanted to like make something cool for the family. Um, so I was focused on that, and then uh, COVID hit. And I had to cancel a bunch of shows um, and nobody really knew what was happening. So I, I I took the what was happening and just put it into a parody song, which this is an, this became a whole other chunk of my early or later career, I guess now early COVID career. It's been a whole different like separate kind of uh, uh, a thing throughout my career. So I had the the, the college shows and then I had um, kids music. And then I became all of a sudden at the beginning of the pandemic, I became a parody artist. So I did this song called We Didn't Spread the Virus, which was a parody of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start 
the fire. And I, I couldn't have spent less time on anything out of my entire career. I wrote it in like 10 minutes, set up a camera and put it on my kitchen counter and recorded this video um, of me singing this little parody um, about, you know, what was happening with, with the pandemic. This was like in the, in the two weeks to slow the spread kind of era. And I look back on it now and it's kind of cringy because it's like, oh, it sounds like a, a public service announcement for staying home and washing your hands or something. Um, but it was a different time, completely different time, because people were sort of like, well, what's happening? And so anyway, I made this video and it went viral. I had like a million views. And then all of a sudden I was I was like, well, if this is making people happy in this weird time where everybody's staying home, I'll keep doing these parodies. And it was a fun exercise. And I did about 12 of them. But then I was like, I don't want to be a parody artist. Like, that's not really me. I'm a songwriter. Um, but the longer that this whole thing went, I was like, this isn't even funny <laughs> anymore. It's not even funny to me. And um, the more inconsistent all the regulations got, it just became ridiculous. So I, I stopped writing and releasing music for a good, I don't know, six months or so until January of this year. And then I, I, I was looking back and I was like, I don't want to leave this world this where we're at i don't want to leave this behind for my kids and i feel like i need to say something none of my heroes in the music world were speaking up um so i wrote a song called god help us all and released it and that was like a big a big deal for me because i never really spoke out through my music it was my music prior to everything i've been releasing this year has been sort of middle of the road safe you know walk down the middle kind of music. I never wanted to offend anybody. I wanted everybody to get along. And so I released these songs in all those little quadrants of of fans that I had made throughout the years, the the college kids that I had, you know, that are now adults and uh, the kids music fan base that I had and the parody fan base that I had, all of a sudden they got a flavor of, of what I really think about things. And some of them bailed instantly. They were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would say that. Um, I'm deleting your music. But then this other amazing wave of support came underneath that of people going, thank you so much for saying these things. And it was so reassuring to me because even though I was losing, uh, you know, I felt like my fan base was sort of crumbling underneath me because I spoke out. I said something that I believed in and it was kind of dangerous to do that um, uh, uh, from a career standpoint. Um, and then, but all of a sudden, like my confidence, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I'm getting way more, uh, support than I am with, you know, backlash. And that started speaking to me. So I, I just kept releasing these songs and it's really, uh, connected with, uh, with a wide group of people all around the world. I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, and that's kind of, that was a long story to tell you about the last 20 years, but it, I just feel like it's so compartmentalized that you, I kind of have to backtrack and tell you how I got to where I was, I am now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I became a fan. Uh, I got help us all is one of my favorite songs. And when I first heard it, I was like, Whoa. And I turned it up and I listened to it like five or 10 times. And, and <laughs> as you say, I just this week, I, I purchased all, from the last two or three years, uh, awesome. your music on iTunes. And I implore others uh, to do the same because we need to support people uh, uh, like yourself. And this kind of segues into my next question where, you know, it seems that in the age of COVID-1984, as I'll call it, I don't think anyone can remain on the political sidelines uh, any longer. You know, what, what have sort of been your, you know, what have sort of been your general views on politics before 2020? Uh, maybe you were apolitical, but, you know, how has it changed over the past two years? Yeah. Well, growing up in Texas, I mean, I have a sort of conservative uh, background and that's just growing up in this, this culture, I guess. But I, you know, I I have sort of a, I don't know, I, I just sort of tried to let everybody be, you know, and, and I, I being in the music industry, I'm in a very liberal industry. And a lot of my friends, you know, believed certain things and spoke up all the time about what they believed in. And that's one of the great ironies is that I, all my friends and all these people that I accepted and, and acknowledged their viewpoints and had no problem with them being them, the moment that I started speaking out, uh, our friendship and, uh, you know, was effectively over. And 
because I said something that I believed in. It didn't align with them. So, you know, that's been an interesting thing um, to experience. But, you know, I, I did, I tried to sort of stay out of politics for most of my career. And, um, but it sort of reached a point that um, I couldn't not stay quiet anymore. You know, I just I had to start speaking out. And it wasn't really a political a political thing. It was um, just a matter of saying, you know, is, is nobody going to acknowledge what's happening in the world right now? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And I, 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 again, that kind of brings me to my other question I had, you know, I've had on a lot of guests and they've had, they've had different views and, and some that disagree with the view that I have on COVID and, and probably uh, as yourself, but I like to listen to, to, to everyone and I think we can learn from everyone. And, but how would, how would you process the so-called pandemic? And, you know, what do you think is really going on? I think it's becoming painfully obvious at this point that nothing is as it seems, nor, nor as they've been telling us for the past two years. Yeah, that's the thing that's that's been crazy about it, the inconsistencies of it all. Because I think at the very beginning of the pandemic, you got you got the the most well behaved out of society that you're going to get with this. Um, uh, you got you know everybody was sort of like, okay, now what's happening? You know, we're trying to process this information, um, and, and, and I think you just you got the with lockdowns, staying home for two weeks, that's the best it will ever be. If they try to pull that again, uh, especially here in America, you're not going to get any better than that. And then you start seeing, you know, they're slowly just sort of trying to push it a little bit more. Every, every little inch of power, they, they take it and they move it and they move it forward and forward. And, um, but then you see the hypocrisy behind things. The people making the rules aren't following the rules. You see people, that are, you know, avidly telling you every time they tell you, and I notice this, every time you see a politician or, or, or a medical expert telling you to wear a mask, they're never wearing a mask. And, you know, if it's that crucial, if it's that dire of a situation, you're not taking that thing off. Um, but you see all these incons inconsistencies. And that's where things for me, have, you know, they started falling apart. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not buying this anymore. And uh, I think it's amazing that at this point, there's still people buying into it. They're, they're committed now. They're doubling down on their investment emotionally without looking at it uh, with a clear conscience of, of, okay, I'm not seeing what they're telling me. And, and that's what it comes down to. I, I am not seeing what they're telling me in the real world. You can type up an article, you can post a, a statistic online, but I'm not seeing it. So that's kind of where I've landed with everything. It's like, I, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same. And I think most of my listeners do as well. And I think to date, there's no record of no photo of Bill Gates wearing um, a face mask. So that, that kind of no one can mm. find any photo of him, I think, wearing a, a face mask. Right. I think one of your jobs as, as a musician is to kind of um, get a pulse on the nation uh, to make social commentary as you've been doing. And a lot of people are suffering in many ways, you know, economic impoverishments, uh, being separated from family, being forced to undergo crazy medical interventions, whether it's testing so many times. I still haven't taken a test and I refuse to. Um, and for that reason, I, I'm, I, I can't see some of my uh, family. And some people have literally been locked up as you said, in their homes or they're being hauled off to camps in New Zealand and Australia and Canada is now build, building camps. And we, we've seen resulting mental health problems, fines and imprisonment uh, as a result of the removal of, of our political liberties and, and so on. And so from a songwriter's perspective, you know, what are some of the difficulties you've experienced uh, as well as uh, observed in people's lives in the nation uh, and in the world um, in dealing with with the tyranny that is upon us and, and it comes in all forms right sociocultural economic political medical mm -hmm. yeah i think that uh you know everybody i was at an event recently and everybody i spoke to had a story about a family member or a friend disowning them you know and and that's the saddest thing about all of it is that relationships have just been destroyed like important relationships and 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 it's brought out this very ugly side in people 
because you have half of the people just wanted 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 to be left alone. And they're in a position now like me. I just want I just wanted to make music. You know, I just wanted to write nice songs for people, love songs for the most part. Um, and then you you get pushed and shoved so much that you feel like, okay, look, leave me alone. I have to tell you how I feel about this, you know, and, and that's where I am musically. It's like I've been listed. I've said this many times, but I've been listed my music for this time because I don't have an option anymore. You know, this is we should all be saying what we can say with our voice right now, however we can do it. You know, you don't have to be an artist or a creator, but, um, you know, through the world of social media and um, everybody has a platform now and uh, there is a fight for, you know, what is true, what is real information. And, um, you know, there's, there's a clear battle with big tech and everything. So like my videos, for instance, uh, one of the biggest difficulties is when I express what I feel through my music, um, it, it can be suppressed. I've had a, several of my videos suppressed on YouTube because, um, because, well, the latest one is medical misinformation, the song, sad little man. And it's, it's a song critical of Dr. Fauci. But I do not say Dr. Fauci in the video. I do not say COVID. I don't even say the word vaccine in it. It's a piece of art and it's, a, it's an expression. But I've had this battle with YouTube over the last three or four weeks since the song came out um, of them saying it's medical misinformation. And I keep asking them. I had a chat with them this morning on, on Google, on, on YouTube chat. And I said, on creator support. And I said, what is the medical misinformation? And they won't tell me, you know, they, they say, uh, they give you the runaround. We've given you all the information we can give you. And you hit this sort of, you know, this stump, you can't go any further because, you know, that is sort of a handicap that we have with social media and big tech and, and all these people in power is that they can stop the conversation whenever they want to. So we have to, as a collective keep plowing through however we can. And the bigger that this movement grows, the bigger your voice is, the more people you get involved to stand up and not just be online, but get outside in the streets and band together. Um, you know, we have to be so enormously loud right now that there's, they have no choice but to respond. And I, I think I see that happening with a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the rallies happening all around the world. They've been going on for months and they've been ignored and ignored. These are record-breaking crowds all around the world in major cities everywhere. Um, you know, and if they do cover it, they cover it as a super spreader. And then weeks, months go by, you know, based on the idea alone of super spreaders, if you if that was true, we'd all be dead right now because of all of the massive, massive protests. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of difficulties, there's a lot of challenges, but I just think that we all have to do what we can with what we've got right now. So you mentioned uh, censorship and yeah, I saw you tweeting about that uh, this morning. Um, I, I think they, they had deleted your sad little man and then you put it up again. And I, I think they reinstated the previous one that had like hundreds of thousands or millions of views. Um, mm -hmm. But speaking of, you know, censorship and anti-establishment, I can't believe that most of our rock heroes have capitulated we've seen bruce springsteen explicitly say he won't play to the unvaccinated uh, the foo fighters were playing at a vaccinated only uh, venue and had to cancel supposedly because some of them were uh, positive and but there were rumors that they hadn't sold enough tickets because they couldn't get enough vaccinated fans uh, i saw them play over a decade ago uh, tom morello and rage against the machine have gone woke it seems they're they're doing right. the same and i don't it goes with many other musicians Musicians, except of course, you know Eric Clapton. We've seen Van Morrison. I think I recently heard uh, Noel Gallagher of Oasis say he's not doing another lockdown. Maybe Morrissey and and some others. I, I think I caught an interview as well of James Hetfield of Metallica also questioning some things. So, you know, where have all the anti-establishment rebel rockers gone? <laughs> and you know, what happened? They're supposed to be the ones, you know, speaking out like like you are right now. Right. That's that's the most revealing thing, because I love music. I love so much, so many different kinds of music. All my rock heroes growing up, the guys that made me want to pick up a guitar and write a song like 
I'm like, where are you guys? I never thought that I would be one of those guys. Like I, I, I live too clean of a lifestyle to be uh, an anti-establishment rock and roll guy. I never did drugs, you know, like I wasn't sex, drugs and rock and roll kind of guy. And so I always just sort of thought like, oh, you know, I'll never be that. I'll just be a singer songwriter kind of guy. And then it turns out just being a straight white family man, you know, is the most dangerous thing that you can. This speaking his mind and opinion about COVID in the year 2021 is the most anti-establishment rock and roll thing you can be like. It's so backwards and weird. Um, but I don't know where all those guys are like. Yeah. You know, like Eric Clapton, and Van Morrison, you're like you know, bravo to those guys. I applaud them and it makes me appreciate who they are and their music so much more because there's, you know, so many other, uh, other guys in the industry where you're like, really? You're, you're like, ra the name Rage Against the Machine. Okay. <laughs> like you, you're now you're just like, I, I talked about this on another podcast the other day, but I was like, all these anti-establishment bands that you had from the sixties going on up to the nineties, you had, uh, the Doors and the Rolling Stones and uh, then all the way up to the the uh, up to Nirvana. And like they're they're just a shirt now. They're just a, a corporate brand T-shirt you can get at Target. They didn't really mean what they were saying, as it turns out, because when it came time to question authority in a real serious way, uh, they backed off. In fact, they joined forces with the authority. So I think that you're going to see a shift overall in the music and entertainment industry where now we're going to really have to dismantle who our idols were back then and say, okay, well, you didn't really mean what you said. Every, 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 uh, you know, every action hero that, you know, fought against the bad guys in every movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger for crying out loud, screw your freedom. What? You know, like you're supposed to be the good action hero. So, you know, we're going to see this shift, I think, happening, which I think is a good thing, because I think the next wave of entertainment and music is going to be guys like me who really are just regular people who just want the truth. You know, I, I'm not doing I'm not saying anything that I'm saying because I'm getting paid to do it. I'm saying it because it's important to me, because it's for my kids, because uh, there are people out there who, who can't say this stuff any other way. And that's important to me. And I think that that's what the next wave of entertainment is. That's why, that's why people are grasping to these songs because they're starving for something that's real. These songs are just me with an acoustic guitar. They're not fleshed out and polished and, you know, made with seven producers on a record label. It's just, it's going back to me the same way I started out, me in my bedroom recording live takes of these songs. And and I love that because people are connecting with it. They're sharing it with each other. They mean something to people. Um, and it, it strays so far from just whatever you're getting from Hollywood or major record labels right now, which are designed to keep you distracted from everything else. The music that's on the radio right now is it's just you know, sex and hump music, I like to call it, because it doesn't say anything. It's just music set to a, you know, do, 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 do. And then the lyrics are just, they don't, they don't say anything. They're just nasty lyrics. You look at what's popular right now, and I hate to sound like an old boomer, but it doesn't mean anything. And that's why music is what it is now. That's why entertainment is so bad right now. Yeah, but I, I digress. <laughs> no, I, and I've always been interested in more of the intellectual stuff. Like I, I used to listen to like Soundgarden and and the Canadian rock band, the, the Tea Party. All these people who are really like trying to say something a bit more uh, profound. And and you you have a lot to lose on, on the face of it, do, doing what you're doing. Although I think that's kind of turned now and has become this great uh, opportunity. And I hope you follow go go down that path and. Like you said, like Bruce Springsteen, I've, I've been a huge Springsteen fan and he's got a lot of great songs and some of them speaking against the system. And it's like, I can't, I can't listen. I can't really listen to that stuff uh, right. anymore. And, you know, even I, I like Iron Maiden from time to time. And Bruce Dickinson gave an interview where he was saying recently, yeah, we should all just do what the authorities say. And I'm like, really? Um, right. And so, uh, I, you yeah. know, I, I wanted to talk about what, what it takes to, to follow your gut and go against the grain, um, knowing you're going to lose some people and catch flack. Uh, I've been in the same boat, but 
I know what I'm doing is right, not just for me, but I, I think it's right and ju just in the cosmic scheme of things, right? Trying to tell the truth and it takes grit and courage and perseverance and I get attacked and insulted and get bad reviews. But at some point, right. I've grown such a thick skin that I literally absolutely don't care anymore what anyone says, you know, how is it for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I, I think from song to song, that confidence has built because like I said, when I, when I released God Help Us All, um, there's a line in the song, uh, I think in the first verse that says, um, mask up, vax up, get your body trashed up. And when I wrote that, I was like, oh, that's going to upset some people. I'd never written anything like that in my entire career. And I knew that that was specifically siding, you know, with, with, you know, what I believed in and what went against what a lot of people, you know, that listened to my music believed in. And I felt that in, I guess about the first three or four songs, I thought I am either burning down everything I've ever worked for my, in my entire career or, or I'm building something new up. And I had, I don't I have no idea. I'm just now crossing this line where I'm like, okay, there are more of us than there are of them. I truly believe that it's just that there is a narrative crafted through the mainstream outlets to make it appear that there are more of them that want you to follow in line that you're that are telling you you're a terrible person if you believe that you know we used to be able to share our opinions back and forth if you grew up in our childhood in our time people had opposing views all the time you didn't mean you weren't friends anymore but things have become so divisive that the moment you know and politicized the moment that you say something you're either on this side or you're on that side and most of the people I think that are questioning the narrative right now, um, they really didn't want to have to choose any side. They just want an answer. They just want, they just want truth. Um, and that confidence has for sure built from one song to the next, because every time I release a song, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this or some, you know, I'm going to get so much hate for this. And then I see this, awesome wave of support and the backlash is actually very minuscule in comparison. And so I'm like, the people are out there. The people, the, the, the people are, are standing up. They're hearing this. They're just not being heard as, as much yet because the media is not covering it. But I truly believe that like, if you, if you stand firm in what you're saying and what I'm saying, anybody out there who's nervous about speaking up, um, you will not regret it because we're all out there. We're all supporting each other. And uh, that's one thing that I love about this movement and, and other entertainers and content creators uh, that are speaking out right now. When I have conversations with them, the whole dialogue is real and true. And we're in it for the right reasons. It doesn't feel fake. You know, coming from uh, the entertainment industry, you meet a lot of fake people who are doing things just, you know, because there's a contract involved and a check and at the end of the day or something. Um, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're saying about, you know, the music industry and everything, all these artists and stuff like Bruce Springsteen, you know, he, he's playing big, huge arenas. There's a lot of hands involved in that. There's lawyers, managers, record labels, uh, PR agencies that it's not just his opinion. It's it's his whole it's the Bruce Springsteen brand and it's the machine behind Springsteen that is making that statement. And that's what puts me and some of these other guys out there in a unique position is that we don't have a machine. We are who we are saying what we want to say with the support of everybody who believes in it. And, and that's an amazing thing, because like right now, my song Sad Little Man has been in the top of. Amazon and Apple charts out there. And that is up there with Adele songs, Taylor Swift songs, Ed Sheeran songs. These are artists with a machine behind them. And it's, and again, it just speaks volumes about the power of, of people as a collective making their voice heard. And we can really change and shift the culture, I think, through art. And, and just to comment on, you know, th this talk about losing people, uh, I, I notice on my Facebook from time to time, some I, I lose some friends and 
I've never been the kind of person to, I'm a conservative kind of, kind of like you. And I actually, I think we're the same age. I was listening to a previous uh, interview with you and I've never written anyone off or unfriended anyone for, for their views. I mean, I've got friends that are Marxist who tell me like, if we get Marxism installed, like they literally tell me like, oh, we're going to put you in the camp. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I've had uh, Muslim friends, you know, we, we had a lot of fun where they, they tried to convert me to, to Islam and I tried to convert them to, to Christianity. And but at the end of the day, you know, I, I buy them lunch and, and we, hang, you know, I don't unfriend anyone for their views. But you're, you're as you're saying, you're, you're seeing now people uh, start to do this to us. But at the same time, uh, we're gaining a lot of uh, friends and, and as you say like i'm meeting virtually a, a lot of people from the geopolitics and empire podcast on, on telegram and on, on our channel and, and li listeners of mine i've met some of them uh in real life and i continue to meet them in, in real life so you're making real authentic friends speaking uh, uh the truth right. and to go back to c censorship you know just to get more of your general thoughts on this age of censorship that that we live in um you know since i've started experiencing censorship i've put up my entire back catalog on Odyssey, Bitshoot, Rumble, Brighton, and soon now Rockfin. And I've started using like MeWe, Minds, Gab, Float, Telegram. And I saw that you've just opened accounts on Odyssey and Rumble and Bitshoot and, and, and Brighton. And I'm also planning to get on Locals where I think you are as well. What are your thoughts on this budding new alternative social media scene? Uh, you know, I think it's great. Last year over the, I think it was over the summer, um, or I say last year, this year, about I think July 4th was my date. I, I had this whole mission where I was like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving the big social media accounts. I was gonna leave Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and sort of make my statement and just say, look, I'm out. I'm going to these other platforms. And I was I was giving myself like a month and a half to let people know where I was going. And I ended up signing up for all those other platforms, Gab and Logos, like you mentioned. Um and then in the, the interim between that time and when I was supposed to quit, I, I was getting these messages from fans and people going like, don't don't leave because it's better to be more places than to be less places. And I was like, you know, I, I thought about it. And I was like, you're right. Like, and that's what I love about connecting with people that are following my music is they influence me and my choices. And I was like, you're right. You know what? I'm going to stay. And that's when I wrote, I will not be leaving quietly because I, I decided, you know what? I'm going to be loud and obnoxious here because they won't care if I leave. They'll care if I stay and they'll care about what I post. And, um, you know, that was the ultimate decision was like, I'm just going to be more places and I'll be more loud. And if they kick me out, fine. They're just a social media platform. You know, there's going to be more of them. There, there clearly are plenty of choices out there. Um, but I've signed up for all those other ones. And I think they're, you know, for the most part, they're all great. They have their own different sort of tones with them. The thing is that I've now sort of leaned, even though I'm on those other platforms, I've leaned into Twitter and Facebook and YouTube more because there's a challenge there. It's not really an echo chamber because there are, everyone is trying to create some sort of echo chamber. It seems like even the, the free speech platforms are great. Um, the ones that are, you know, saying they're not going to uh, censor you and everything. Um, but there's there's still a lot of echo chamber being crafted there because of just these times. People seeking truth are like-minded individuals. People that don't want censorship are like-minded individuals. And the mainstream outlets have programmed people to think that if you go to those places, you're one of them. So I like the challenge at this point of, of being able to you know, say what I want to say on a platform that doesn't want me to say it and finding unique ways to say it. Um, that's been the whole ridiculous thing with uh, the sad little man controversy is that they've labeled it medical misinformation. And I was so careful about it, you know, and I'm, but the great thing is now I've, I've posted my whole, in, like most of my correspondence with YouTube on my Twitter account because there's, it's social media. You have a platform to, to basically just share the hypocrisy with the world and say, look at it. Look at what they are doing. I have no reason to lie. I don't care to take down YouTube or Twitter. I just want other people to see what they're, you know, encouraging because they're like the case with YouTube is they are now censoring and suppressing art. My my videos are songs and lyrics and videos. 
it's not me on a podcast like this stating what my opinion is. This is a perspective through art. And they really should have no right in judging, you know, saying that we're spreading medical misinformation through art because it's lyrics. It's up for interpretation. Um, if you're going to do that, there's plenty of other songs out there. Like uh, First Cut is the Deepest, you know, like that old song. Are you going to take that line and say, well, that's medical misinformation? We've actually come to find out that the first cut is not the deepest. You know, are you going to go through and analyze all these old songs, too? But it's clear that there's a bias against what I'm saying because they know what the underlying message is. But that's still just their interpretation. They just don't want to they just don't want to admit it. Yeah, that's very Soviet Union uh, like. And I feel the same as you. I, I've never been one to terminate my uh, big tech accounts, even though I'm being uh, censored. And I want to go out with a bang. I want them to delete my account. You know, that for me, that's like mm -hmm. a badge of honor. I want to go out with, right. you know, go out like that. Uh, so I'm not going to shut up and, and they terminate mm -hmm. me. They terminate me. And I put up, you know, my, my Twitter badge, my YouTube badge that I got terminated from, from those <laughs> right. accounts. And then we'll, we'll be forced to go to these alternative platforms. But I agree with you. It's better to be yeah. everywhere you can uh, until they, you know, like uh, what's that game with the, with the gopher where, where they, what, no, whack -a -mole whack -a -mole. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, what else was I going to say? So you're talking about virtual censorship. What about uh, in the physical world? You know, do you foresee a future where you won't be able to play live in public because all venues will be forced to use vaccine passports? You know, what, what would you do in that sort of scenario? Mm -hmm. Well, the great thing about performing is that as long as I have a guitar, I can perform, you know, whether it's on a street corner or it's on stage somewhere. Like I'm watching all these artists out there doing that, that very thing, segregating their audience, requir requiring Vax passports, these big artists and big places. I'm like, and they, and they claimed it. The thing that irks me is that they claim that they're doing it. Uh, for the safety of their fans. And I'm like, well, now, wait a minute. If this is as serious as you think that this situation is, you do not invite a whole mass of people into the same room together just because you want to have a rock and roll show. You keep it digital and you keep them all at home and safe. That's the safest thing, isn't it? That's what they keep telling us. Um, but on top of that, like music is supposed to be a, a uniting thing. You're supposed to be able to go to a, a rock and roll show or a music show and, and and be standing next to people who have completely different views than you, but be bonded through music. You're supposed to be singing along together, looking at each other going, this is great. And the fact that these artists are, are you know, proponents of, of segregating now and saying, well, those people can't come in, you know, effectively, they might be a disease. That's the worst thing you could ever do. But if you want to have a concert, and my stance is this, if you want to have a concert, have a concert, but you don't turn people away. You don't say you can't come because, you know, ever. I don't know, you know, I don't, there, there are very few things where, where you would say, I'm sorry, you people can't come in. And, you know, it, 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 but if you want to have a show, have a show is my point. And I don't think anything will stop me. I want to get back out on the road in 2000, in, in 2022. I'd like to take these songs out and perform wherever I can. Some of the most unique venues I've already performed this year. I'd never thought I would be performing on a Capitol building steps, which I've done now. Um, performing at private events for, uh, you know, certain uh, public figures and things like that has been really interesting because I never thought that I would be be at these places doing these shows. I don't, you know, if you had asked me at 18 years old when I started, you know, do you see yourself in the future performing at the Austin Capitol in front of a crowd of a couple thousand people, uh, you know, pro protesting uh, vaccine mandates? I would have been like, what are you even talking about? You know, the, the whole world is flipped upside down. But um, but here I am and I'm grateful to be a part of it, though. Yeah, and I've been itching to get back into the U.S. If they ever um, to visit, if they ever drop these test requirements, I'd be happy to go out to Texas and watch you uh, perform. And um, and as you said, the the thing about music uniting us. I mean, there are many artists that I enjoy that. 
that are lib- liberal themselves and I don't agree with their views, but their music is their music and I'm still able to uh, enjoy their music and kind of that part of them, you know, just kind of forget about uh, for the moment. Right. Um, but to get a little geopolitical, you said you wrote the song about Joe Biden because you were angry with what was happening with uh, Afghanistan. I mean, do you have any thoughts on geopolitics or, or U.S. foreign policy or, or what went on with uh, Afghanistan or, or anything like this? Well, this thing with that song was, uh, so I released a song called Joe um, prior to Sad Little Man. And I thought I was going to get a lot of, that was another song where I was like, okay, now I'm taking aim at the current guy in office. So I'm going to get a lot of backlash for that. And I, uh, again, I didn't really, but what happened was I was working on another song and then things started unfolding in Afghanistan and I was just getting so frustrated with it. Um, because I had friends right after high school that went and fought in this war and for it to end the way it ended, um, it's just really upsetting. And the fact that we left so many of our own behind, um, then the pictures came through of the soldiers that had died, the 13 soldiers. And, you know, it's just a, an outlet for me because I, 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 I couldn't focus on my, the project that I was working on. Um, so I wrote this song as a response to it. The funny thing about that song was uh, I say a bad word in it. <laughs> I say I say uh, the F word in it, which I've in 20 years, I've never put a bad word in one of my songs. And I was like, do I really do this? And then um, I just felt like it was the right, right word. It wasn't like me copping out for shock value or anything. That's why I, I, I that's specifically why I don't cuss in most of my songs. But I felt appropriate from a writer's standpoint. And the funny thing was, as I, as I talked myself into saying this, like two days later, F Joe Biden became a nationwide <laughs> chant all across or, or, you know, became a phenomenon. And then the uh, um, let's go Brandon thing came in as well. But um, that was interesting. Um, but, you know, that was, you know, I try, there's so much news that's happening all the time that, you know, it's hard to keep up with everything, but watching that unfold and just the frustration with with Biden as an individual, as an as a non-leader, really, um, that kind of just took hold. And that's why I wrote that song. So I just felt like we need to, you know, that's what my song's purposes are right now is taking what's happening and just and that's what art's supposed to be. You're supposed to take what's happening in the world and and you know, let us reflect on on that through song or painting or movies or whatever. I think that, you know, that's just been lost. So is there um, any other an issue maybe that's, that's pressing uh, on your mind at the moment that, that we haven't uh, brought up? Um, not really. I mean, my mind has sort of been clouded with censorship the last couple of weeks, which I think I'll probably end up writing a, a, a nice little spiteful track towards uh, YouTube and Facebook and stuff. Um, that's just because that's what I'm dealing with right now is, is I'm, I'm sort of for the sake of transparency, I've just been posting my interactions with YouTube and Google and this whole thing with their medical misinformation flag on my video. Um, cause it's just ridiculous, but I think somebody needs to call them out on it. Um, and I plan to do that for sure. But I mean, there are, there are so many issues. I feel like, <laughs> you know, like I have at least four or five other songs being you know circulating in my creative psyche right now that i don't see myself stopping anytime soon it's just gonna i'm gonna keep writing and hopefully i'll collect all these things and put them into an album or something at that at some point that would be great i, I would look forward to, a, to an album you're, you're kind of like a modern day uh bob dylan in a sense what, what would be some <laughs> tips uh that you could leave us with in terms of like resisting fighting back you know, what, what do we do? It seems like one example would be you as a musician are doing what, what you can do as a musician, writing songs of, uh, of resistance and myself as a podcaster doing podcasts about this. And it just seems like uh, where everyone is to, to, to do to at least do something, you know, what would be kind of your your suggestion? Mm-hmm. I think the number one thing people need to do is is get offline and get out and take it to the streets, organize, protest publicly, be loud, buy a megaphone. Um, I've done some rallies over the last year where there haven't really been that many people there. 
And you're like, where is everybody? You know, and we're all online and we can all think that we're doing a great thing, you know, and, and, and by all means, make your voice heard online because that's an incredible tool that we have at our disposal, but it can't just be that. Um, and, you know, I think just ask yourself, what, what abilities do you have? You know, it, you don't have to create something, but if you're a, an organizer, organize an event. You know, if you're a personable person, if you're good at debating, find somebody to chat with with an opposing view, but, uh, you know, approach it um, in a smart way. Don't just go into it with anger and resentment and frustration. I think that's something that's also lost is that we have, you know, we are all sort of biting at each other and barking and, you know, it, it's easy to do that online. But I think if we can bring all this publicly and create, you know, uh, a dialogue face to face, I think we would see a lot of that, a lot of what the tone of the of the country and maybe the world change because a lot of what's said online, people are afraid to say face to face. That's why you have one side of the aisle that's so quick to block you and censor you, because once you 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 make your point and they can't respond, they turn it off. But if we could see that in person. If we had more debates on live TV between the experts, right? If you had America's frontline doctors uh, questioning Dr. Fauci uh, and they put him in a situation where he can't answer the question, that would speak volumes to people all around the world who who have signed up to the cult of, of Fauci because they don't see him. They don't they don't they only see the produced uh, edited version of Fauci, the, the prepared questions and answers that he delivers through the TV screen. You put a, these things on live online and you catch that guy in a moment, people are going to have to start questioning what's happening uh, in their own brain. People that have doubled down on it and committed to this, this uh, narrative. Yeah, they only see him in the National Geographic uh, documentary, which got like 95% dislikes uh, <laughs> right. uh, on that Fauci. Right. Um, I think this week, the Biden administration was saying they're thinking of creating uh, domestic vaccine passports for interstate travel like they have in Canada, interprovince mm -hmm. travel. Uh, what, what, what's your prognosis for 2022? I think it's just going to be getting progressively worse. Uh, or is there a ray of light that the people are going to push back uh Finally, uh, what are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. um, I know they're going to try to make it worse. It seems like whatever they can do, they're hammering it in as quick as they can do it right now. Um, I think that we can slow down progress for them uh, if we get off our butts and do what we can do. I mean, I think every I, I posted this yesterday. Uh, I think I said like late last night or something. I said. Um, I said, there are people in power. Let me pull up my quote so I don't misquote myself. So there are people in certain positions of power right now going out of their way to make sure your life gets worse. It's imperative you go out of your way uh, to stop them. And we need to be making sacrifices, whether it's, you know, if you're worried about losing your job, you're going to lose it anyway, if you just let things keep going. Um, if you're worried about losing friends, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose them. You're going to lose family over this whole thing. You need to be brave enough to step forward. And I think that, you know, the more pressure we apply to the damage that they they will back off because all they're trying to do is, is stack. You know, we see it variant, 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 you know, a uh, new jab, you know, more masks. We've seen it all year, you know, and, and it's just more and more and more, um, And, you know, I think that we just need to get off our butts, really, and fight back. I, I, I really think that, you know, if, if we, for instance, here in the States, you know, January 6th happened this year. No, everybody's afraid to go back out now. You know, that that psychological operation has worked wonders on people because people are afraid to go to D.C. now to, to make a big statement to the president of the United States because they don't want to be arrested and put in jail for their freedom of speech. Uh, but we shouldn't be afraid to do that. You know, we should, we should still be gathering. The United States is lagging behind for sure.
but you see it happening all around the world right now, these massive, massive groups. And at some point, the news can't ignore that forever. Um, and I think that we just, we got to get out there. Yeah. And as you said, from the first day, um, I didn't even consider my future professional career uh, opportunities. I had to call a spade uh, a spade because, as you say, there won't be any future employment uh, opportunities. I just shared uh, mm -hmm. a clip on my Telegram channel from um, Calgary policemen in Canada telling other policemen saying, this is just the beginning. Like, even if you comply mm -hmm. now, you, later you won't have a, a job. And so people need to realize mm -hmm. this, that you can only play with fire for, for so long until it uh, consumes right. you. Um, and then fi finally, you know, where would be the best place for people to find uh, and to support you? Yeah, you can visit fivetimesaugust.com. It's all spelled out, F-I-V-E-T-I-M-E-S, august.com. Uh, that's, you know, you can find all the music there that I've been putting out this year, the music videos, there's t-shirts and merch there and, and donation links. If you want to support the work, you can find me on all the social media websites. Um, it's just at five times August, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, those big ones. And then Gab, Gab and locals, um, getter, um, trying to think of them all, but I'm out there. Odyssey, bit shoot rumble, got the videos up there as well. So. Um, just look for five times August, wherever you like to like to hang out online. All right. I, I hadn't made a purchase on iTunes, I think, in months or maybe even years. And when I <laughs> it would have been easy if all your stuff was in one album because I went buying mm. one by one. And then eventually my mm -hmm. my credit card like stopped working because I think they oh. got suspicious. <laughs> They're like, I can't buy it. So I, yeah. I had to figure it out in, uh, another <laughs> way. And so. All right. Uh, I really implore everyone watching or listening to go and support Brad by purchasing his, purchasing his songs on iTunes or, or Amazon. And uh, um, again, put your money uh, where your mouth is. Support the true rebel rock musicians. And I wish <laughs> you a lot of success. And thanks for taking the time to come on Geopolitics and Empire. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast interview. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list through which you can receive an update of every new podcast, as well as a long list of key news headlines once a week. We're being heavily censored. YouTube has deleted some of our videos, and we currently have one strike. Patreon has terminated our account. Facebook has restricted our page, and Reddit has been the leading posts our favorite social media channels are telegram and twitter the best places to watch the podcast beyond youtube are on odyssey bitshoot and brighteon the best places to listen to the podcast are on soundcloud apple spotify google or on any other podcast app to help keep this podcast alive leave a review on apple podcasts and wherever else subscribe to all our platforms and Leave a donation if possible via Subscribestar, PayPal, Bitcoin, or Ethereum. You can also find us on MeWe, Minds, Gab, Float, VK, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.